The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, that's really beautiful framework. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so a short background on me um, is uh, I was born and raised in India, and I came to the U.S. Uh, to study. And in the last year of my uh, degree, I dropped out as well. <laughs> and because uh, I realized that what I was, uh, I was studying graphic design and uh, film, and uh, I wanted to use my skills for uh for social good, and I knew that if I continued uh, in the college, then I would just gather enough student loans to lock myself in a advertising company or a corporate job for many years. I and do things that I did not feel in integrity with. So I um, I worked for a little while, and then I sat my first meditation retreat very soon, uh, and it had a profound like impact on my I think for the rest of my life because during that first retreat I realized um, that I wanted to serve and so I started with working with a nonprofit in Los Angeles and they sent me for about three four months to India in this slum community to do a project and I went as I quit my job and I went there, and I thought I'll come back, and I'll get the new, get a new job and uh, work here. And I went there uh, for about three or four months, and I just felt like that was my learning ground, like that was my serving ground, that was where my spirituality was also deeply connected with my work. And so I I was deeply moved by... By, by, that, by, by the people there and by also the Gandhians. The, there were a lot of people, elders, who were part of the freedom movement uh, during the time of Gandhi, who had spent time with Gandhi, who had gone to prison. And I was just uh, really like excited to be around them and learn from them. And so I, I did that project for about four months. This was a slum community with about 200,000 people living there, so it was really large, and there were massive issues. Uh, so I came back, and I I couldn't be here, and I ended up selling everything and took a one-way flight and went to India and stayed there for about seven years, and out of those seven years, close to five years, I worked in that community and I also founded an organization, a uh, fully volunteer-run organization, uh, to like engage the people um, in in just the the city, uh, in different cities, to engage more deeply into this work. Um, and then, over those years, I was just sitting a lot of meditation retreats in between. So my life was pretty much either serving or sitting, <laughs> and that's. That's pretty much all I remember <laughs> what I did for those five years. And then uh, I ended up uh, wanting to understand uh, my own country in a deeper way because there was so much urban migration happening in the slums. And I was like, why are people living these beautiful villages that we have and these rural areas? What's really going on? And so I ended up spending a year and a half living in sometimes like in forests with indigenous people with uh, oftentimes off the grid without any 
you know, running water or any electricity in mud huts and like, you know, uh, milking cows and <laughs> carrying like cow dung and compost. <laughs> and so, so that was again a hugely formative time. And it also gave me a deep understanding of systems thinking and how like all these systems are deeply interconnected, like what I eat, what I buy, everything is deeply connected with the land, with the people, with the animals, with the poorest of poor people. And um, and all this was continuously being informed by the dharma because that was always like the center of every choice I made. Uh, was I was just deeply called to the practice. and And these were sort of uh, ways of understanding the dharma from different angles. And then at some point I came back to the U.S. <laughs> and uh, uh, I've been teaching here for quite a few years and I've had a chance to be connected to IMC for quite a few years as well as with Gil. So I'm just very grateful to be sharing this work at IMC. Um, so a quick thing on the framework uh, is again, I'll share more as we go along, but there are three questions that I want to share with you right now, and I want you to like just keep them at the back of, of your mind for the rest of this day. So the first question is, what does Buddhism have to offer to these times? The second question is, is it possible for us to practice a form of Buddhism that is conflict-averse or that is not inviting messiness? Is it possible to continue doing that? Because... Um, from a very normative perspective, from a more mainstream perspective, Buddhism is often used as a way to find calm and find ease and things like that. Uh, and as a result, it's not uncommon to, you, to, to hear the word spiritual bypass these days in this community, in Buddhism, because there is a lot of spiritual and emotional bypassing that happens because of uh, practicing a form of Buddhism that is not willing to enter the messiness. And lastly, my third question is, there is a form of Buddhism, or sometimes, so sometimes some of us can have an understanding of the practice that can look transcendent in nature, meaning that there is, uh, there is suffering, and through practice, I will find my way out of suffering and enter nirvana. And so there is this kind of a map here of going somewhere. And that is sometimes uh, what a lot of people see as the practice, as the map of the practice. So what is the relationship then of that map with interconnectedness? What is the relationship of that map with my relationship with Mother Earth? 
right? So, and this is all, like, I want you to, um, I'm requesting you to ask these questions in a very personal way because practice is so personal. So, like, really, what is happening in your practice around these questions? Um, repeat the first one. The first question is, what does Buddhism have to offer to these times? The second is, can we engage in a form of Buddhism that is not inviting messiness? And the third is, if, if the map is of transcendence, then what is, my, what is the relationship of my practice with interconnectedness with other beings and with Mother Earth? So I'll, I'll end there. Thank you. So we're just going to spend a few more minutes um, talking about some things to help us build a container, and then we're going to do an introduction where we'll hear from um, each of you all. Um, I was at a, a gathering recently of nonviolence trainers from all over the country working on various movements, and we were talking about how in trainings and even meditation retreats and conferences and gatherings and meetings all over the country, it seems like we can't get through an agenda without some conflict escalating just because there's so much tension in the air and I think we can kind of like feel it in our bodies. And one of the, the things that we were talking about is that you know, we live in an era of the movement for black lives, where for black folks, it's a constant reminder of how their people are getting killed. And we live in the era of Me Too, where for women and female-bodied people, it's a constant reminder of how much harm there is. And we live in an era of Standing Rock for indigenous peoples, is constant reminders of how they've been oppressed for 500 years. And so all of this is just, it's so in the air, and that just brings up a lot for people, and it's a really difficult time. And that's happening at a time when people are also, specifically marginalized people, are feeling empowered to speak out against injustice in a way that they never have, right? And, and in a lot of places that has diversity, like we do in the room, we're also trying to navigate what it looks like to really share power and to share space in a way that we haven't as a as a species really before. Um, and there's a lot of messiness in that. And my friend Matt said that as messy as these times are, he thinks that history will look back at this era as a time when we made a huge leap in how we learn to share power in a room. And that that's a beautiful thing, but in the meantime, it's gonna be really messy. And one of the participants at that gathering offered a beautiful group agreement where he said, if we knew how to be free, we'd be there already. Right? Like, none of us truly know what collective liberation looks like. And if we knew what that looked like, we'd be there already. So just to give ourselves a little bit of compassion for not knowing how to do it. And if conflict surfaces, if somebody says something that's unskillful, if somebody says something that is triggering, to just give ourselves a little bit of compassion for not being perfect, right? And for not knowing how to do it because none of us really do, and we're trying to figure out um, that mess together. And one framing that I wanted to offer as we think about that is, um, if I could get, where did the markers go? Oh, great, thank you. Most of our lives, we live in the comfort zone. Right? This is the, the, the area where we're not being pushed, where we're not being challenged, where things are comfortable. 
And of course, we like to find that comfort zone and try to stay there because it's comfortable, right? But there's no growth that happens in the comfort zone. We know growth is is really awkward, and like puberty was really awkward, right? So it, there's it growth change involves tension, and it's through tension where we grow. So just outside of that comfort zone is what we call the stretch zone, and the stretch zone is where growth happens. It's where learning happens. It's when we're being stretched to un- try to understand a different perspective, to try to see things in a way that might be different from what we're used to. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Um, sometimes the stretch zone involves us bringing up stuff from our own personal stories that may not be easy to talk about. It may mean having a conversation with someone that's really difficult to have, but we know we need to have that conversation in order to move through the conflict. So the stretch zone is where we want to try to sit in today, right? It's not always a comfortable place, but it's where growth happens. But if we push ourselves too far, we can enter the panic zone. And there's no redemption, really, in the panic zone. Because once we enter the panic zone, our traumas kick in. And we're no longer able to see things objectively. We're no longer able to really sit with that discomfort. And we're reacting from our traumas, right? And when we get into our panic zone, it can actually throw us off and it can re-traumatize us and it can have an adverse effect. And I wanted to offer this just a simple framing because oftentimes because we live in a society that teaches us that Peace is just about being calm, and it's just about finding that comfort zone, that sometimes the moment things become uncomfortable, we assume we're in the panic zone. And we say, oh, this is, this is a bad place to be, so we need to retreat back into the comfort zone, right? If we enter the panic zone, we need to have some awareness that we've entered a space that's not productive, and we need to find practices to pull us back, right? But if we're in our stretch zone, let's try to have some awareness that it's actually not a bad place, that it's actually a place where a lot of growth happens, and it's where we want to challenge ourselves in places like this, right, for us to grow. Um, The last thing I want to say on this is many people, their stretch zone is about this thin, right, because of layers of trauma and, and, and unhealed, unprocessed trauma, we can, end, we can go from our comfort zone straight into our panic zone. But the panic zone, or the stretch zone is like a muscle, right? The more you work on it, the stronger it gets and that wider that gap gets between our comfort zone and our panic zone. There's a, a story that I once shared about one of my, my greatest childhood traumas. And before I spoke it out loud, I thought that it was something that I had already gotten over, right? That it wasn't weighing on me until I spoke it out loud for the first time and the words just fell out of my mouth with the weight of an anvil. And I just started bawling and, 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 and I had no idea. Like I went straight into my panic zone. But over the course of these years, I've done a lot more processing on that. So now I'm able to talk about that while still staying in my stretch zone, right? Because I've, I've done work on it. And so even things that bring us into our panic zone with work, with practice, we can build up that muscle for that stretch zone um, and allow us to really process things that 
in the past may have gotten us, us into our panic zone while staying in our stress zone, still staying connected to that vulnerability, um, but bringing us in a place where we can actually process that and, and we can benefit from that work, right? So a lot of the work that we're going to be doing today is to just get us into that stretch zone and, and keeping us there so that we can work out our muscles there, right? So. Thank you. And um, I really appreciate this because uh, this is like making... Uh, making us conscious of tracking ourselves throughout the day. Uh, this day is not going to be a silent day, which is normally like how things are here. And um, so there's going to be a lot more interaction, connection, and also uh, a, a learning process. And um, and at the same time, I want you to like really know you're in choice throughout the day. So if you don't want to participate in anything, you don't have to. And if there is a you know a diet that we are doing, or if there's if we're asking you to speak to some experience, you absolutely don't have to do anything you don't want to. And uh, at any point, like if it feels like you might be like uh, you know edging that line <laughs> between um, stretch zone and panic zone, like feel free to even go take a walk and come back. So um, and also. So, so, so yeah, like tracking yourself and taking responsibility for what's happening for you is helpful. And the other thing is I really want, like this is like a heartfelt um, sort of expression that I, I really want each and every one of you to feel truly welcomed to this place. And everyone from every background, from every race, ethnicity, every, um, um, any, any um, gender fluidity spectrum that you connect with, uh, your sexual orientation, your, um, uh, just the, your socioeconomic uh, background, your class, like any, every background. Like I want you to know that this is a heartfelt commitment to make this place uh, as welcoming um, as possible and as safe as possible to to the extent that we can um, and I think uh, one other thing is uh, both Kazu and I have like really uh, connected a lot with these multicultural agreements and I'm going to pass these on uh, and if you could just um, some of you can just like read them uh, so if you could read aloud, if you could share the mic with them, and if you could read aloud uh, one at a time and pass it on to the next person to read them, uh, that would be very helpful. Um, you can pass on a few more. Maybe we can. And after you're done, you can bring them back here. Yes, please. Yeah. My name is Rill. I don't need a microphone if you're not recording. If we would record, it's got to be, you have to use Are the microphone. Yes, Thank you, Sina. Um, my name's Rill. Um, I'm wondering if we could sit in a circle today. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to be able to see everyone that's in the room. Sure, yeah. And I'm not sure if it works with the number of people in the room. It's okay oh to say no, but I needed to make that request. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll try to see if we can do something. Uh, I have a feeling of a circle, too. <laughs> yeah. 
I think so. It's not hard, and it would make yeah. so, so we'll we'll just do this after this process, so we can continue on this. Yeah. Try it on. Be willing to try out new ideas or ways of doing things that might not be what you prefer or are familiar with. Practice self-focus. Attend to and speak about your own experiences and responses. Do not speak for a whole group or express assumptions about the experience of others. Can I pause again? It's like we're talking and we don't even have each other's names. And I'm sure I want to cry. It's like, again, you're speaking, but like, who are you? And like, it's just a name, but it means something and it's connecting. I'm just... Yeah. I really would love to hear everybody's name. So if you speak, and I'll try to do it, and I'm sorry because I haven't been doing it. My name's Rill, and I would love to hear everybody's name when you speak. Okay, um, my name is Vanilla. <clears throat> Vanilla Devonabuina. So understand the difference between intent and impact. Try to understand and acknowledge impact. Denying the impact of something said by focusing on intent is often more destructive than the initial interaction. Um, thank you. Um, I'll just maybe share a couple words on these. Um, do I have one? <laughs> I think. Um, would you be willing to share this? Yeah. So the third one around intent and impact is really important to just take a few seconds on. Um, so sometimes we intend to, like our intention is not to hurt someone or our intention is not to like say something that might be uh, difficult or difficult for someone, but but we don't realize that there can be an impact. So so like being like extra conscious that what we are saying or like our our actions or our tone can have an impact, and so just like bringing that extra layer of mindfulness there. Yeah, please go. Thanks. My name is Gail. Uh, practice both and when speaking, substitute and. Or but. This practice acknowledges and honors multiple realities. This is something I've had to learn, like instead of saying but, like using and, so I'm not negating the other person's uh, feelings or experience. Refrain from blaming or shaming self and others. Practice giving skillful feedback. Mm. Uh, my name is uh, Giovanni. Uh, move up and move back. Encourage full participation by all presence. Take note of who is speaking and who is not. If you tend to speak often, consider moving back and vice versa. Practice. My name is Dawn. Practice mindful listening. Try to avoid planning what you'll say as you listen to others. Be willing to be surprised, to learn something new. Listen with your whole self. My name is Helen. Confidentiality. 
Take home learnings, but don't identify anyone other than yourself, now or later. If you want to follow up with anyone regarding something they said in this session, ask first and respect their wishes. Uh, my name is Anne. Write to pass. You can say, I pass, if you don't wish to speak. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, I'm just curious um, if anyone has any reflections or thoughts on any of these agreements. Um, if you can just be brief also. Yes, Don. I'd like to offer one that I often use in interfaith. Yeah. Um, which is <clears throat> to name my perspective as my perspective, mm-hmm. not an ultimate truth, and not even speaking for all of those I might identify with. Mm, that's beautiful. And so using I statements is very important uh, and, yeah, really helpful throughout the day. Yeah. And saying, from my perspective as a you know, barely bi, cisgender, white, middle-class woman, blah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's just an offering for those who wish to. Absolutely. Thank you. I'd like to offer a corollary to that, which is for the listening side of it, which is when listening um, to others, hear them as speaking their perspective and not as a representative of whoever and with whomever they identify. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, anyone else wants to add or... Any other thoughts that are coming? or any, if it, Also, if anything is unclear, because in some sense, as a community, we are agreeing to uh, trying our best to, you know, use these agreements throughout the day. Um, so, yeah. My name is Sylvie. I have a question. See your name again, please. My name is Sylvie. Sylvie, yeah. And I have a question on, I guess we are reading those, but it's, Although they are really beautiful, it's not necessarily fully um, explained and actionable. Uh-huh. Um, and I know that um, I've been in many kind of groups where there was a struggle between the intent and the impact. Yes. And so, you know, the way it's written here, it's kind mm-hmm. of like, oh, that's obvious, but... Mm-hmm. I haven't found that it's obvious in practice. Yeah, are, yeah. are we going to yeah. unpack those yeah. later in the day? Yeah. So first of all, I'm really grateful for saying this because uh, we are going to try these on, just like the first one says, try it on. Um, I think, like, for me personally, uh, it's it's like a lifelong practice between intent and impact. And there are so many things, like as a cisgendered woman, for example, like I'm... I feel like a commitment to being safe and respectful to folks with other orientations. And at the same time, like, I have my blind spots. And and so, like, there is, there is always, like, a, a fear of being, um, um, yeah, like, of making a mistake. And at the same time, like, there is a commitment to learning and saying, like, I want to listen and I want to learn. And uh, so, so yeah, I, I feel like uh, 
I was asking it for both sides. So, like, there is a side of the listener and then there is a side of the speaker. Mm. And I know that I've been in many situations where um, I cannot explain to someone else that their impact is hurting. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Because their intent is good. That's a very, very tricky one because even like educating the person about the impact of what happened uh, can take a lot of emotional energy and soul energy. And so um, how much do we go into that is something like, is something like I wonder about too. Um, I, I want to know if you have a thought on this. I sometimes have a desire to organize a two-day workshop just on group agreements because yeah. you know like group agreements sometimes we spend like 10 minutes at the beginning and then we never get back to it but I actually think we need like a two-day workshop on on what it actually looks like to embody them and to practice them um, just one thing I, I think I heard you say that I really resonate with is the the both and like the um, the intent and impact like it goes both ways right for people to like if I said something with good intention that landed on some, someone the wrong way, my practice is not to defend myself by saying, well, I didn't mean to hurt you, but to really just sit with the impact that it had. Um, and it's not about me. It's about the person that was impacted. But also if I hear somebody say something and I'm triggered by that, to not jump to an assumption that they intended to hurt me and to give them some compassion and some, some empathy and say, well, maybe they meant it in a different way. One of the things that we're not going to have a chance to get to today is what's called the six steps of nonviolence. And the first step is information gathering. Right, because oftentimes we assume that there's a conflict there. When if we just take a pause to understand the other person's perspective, there's actually no conflict at all. And so I think the intent and impact goes both ways too. So it's yeah, um, it's a practice. Thank you. Uh, yes. Going back to um, the era of stretch and growth, um, how do you know when when you're like pushing it too much mm -hmm. and when just out of curiosity because it's something I struggle with when understanding when it's when when it's panic panic it's, you know it. But. Ultimately, you would be able to answer that question better than I would, right? Because it's, it's such a, a, an individual thing. Um, it's one of the reasons why we teach uh, nonviolence and meditation together at the East Point Peace Academy is because a lot of it is just like awareness of your body, right? Like your body knows when you've reached that panic zone. Um, and I think the more we can get out of our heads, because I think our heads can tell us we're in a panic zone when we're not, um, but the more we can learn to listen to our bodies and, and, and the sensations in our bodies, I think the, the more we can kind of discern for ourselves when we've entered that stage. But there's no um, universal answer for that. So. And also throughout the day, I think it's helpful to just track your nervous system and like see like, oh, okay, right now my nervous system is like very, very relaxed. And like right now, it's like stimulated, it's alive. And that feels like more like a stretch zone. And like now I can see like, okay, it's getting more, there's activation happening. 
And so, just as Kazu said, like the body and maybe even further in, like feeling like the nervous system activation throughout the day. And like that often offers a discernment uh, for situations when that actually begins to happen. So we'll do a last question, and then we'll come back. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's not exactly a question, but I just want to take the opportunity to give gratitude. Um, mm-hmm. I can all already feel the effect, impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you, thank you. Um, a few words come to mind. So gratitude, trust, and witnessing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, to me, it's uh, the process of life. Um, there's a beginning, there's a middle, and an end. So, thank mm. you. Mm. I'm Varuni. Varuni? That's really beautiful, Varuni. Um, I, would, I would even love if you want to like write those words down and be nice to just put it up on the wall. So, yeah, thank that you. means a lot to hear those. So uh, with the multicultural agreements, we'll keep coming back to them. And throughout the day, if you have any concerns or questions coming around them, I'm very, you're welcome to share those. And, and sometimes, like, if some things, like, it might be useful to just share it with us first before you share it with the group so that you might feel uh, more comfortable in your zone, too. Yeah. Okay. So should we maybe move into a circle and do That'd be beautiful, yeah. Just for you to know that at some point we will need to use the projector and the chair will come here. Uh, So for now it's fine. When we need to do that, we'll probably move some of you a little bit from there. It would be nice if everyone can like, be as close as possible so that uh, we don't feel too far away. And I'm always much more comfortable on the floor, so please feel free to use four cushions if that's more comfortable for you. Yeah, and feel free if you want to keep shifting between chair and cushion. So you can have your cushion in front of your chair. You can keep moving as well. Yes, please. It's fine. No, it's okay. You can leave at 11.30. Yeah. No problem. It's fine. And certainly no judgment or anything or like <laughs> anger at like... Oh. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yes, please. 
Yes. Yes. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Just check in with me before you have to go. Sure. Sure. No problem. No problem. Okay. Uh, so, what I would love is if we could just uh, we can stop the recording now, and if we could just go around the circle. Uh, you don't have to use a mic. Um, 